Hi, I'm Jack and welcome to Thoughts from the Bottom Left, a weekly podcast in which co-host Joel and I converse on the most important issues facing today's society, whether they be political, philosophical, or anything else. for me breathing audibly uh, for quite a stuffy nose but yeah i hope you enjoy welcome back to episode two of thoughts from the bottom left today we continue with the political compass quiz giving more of our opinions on more social and political philosophy question one is where uh, abortion when the woman's life is not threatened should always be illegal I mean, uh, as someone who is pro-choice, I think this statement is ridiculous. I strongly disagree. I believe that before a certain point, uh, the life inside a woman's womb, or it, it, it isn't really, it doesn't really count. Of course, they haven't lived this experience. This is a big, uh, obviously, a big problem and a big argument in 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 the philosophy community. But yeah, I I think I strongly strongly disagree. Right, and I think even if it is your religious belief that life begins at the point of conception. If you're going to legislate upon your religious beliefs, then you introduce a theocracy, and that is something that we want to avoid at all costs. So as some uh, uh, people who lean to more, uh, towards the libertarian kind of side, even though we're both atheists, even if I, if I th- think that we were uh, religious, we would both also view this as the same. Because we don't want to impose what we believe upon other people. Right, right. I mean, the fundamental of a uh, fundamental principle of the thoughts that we carry, I guess, is one that is secular, one that doesn't have interference from the church on states' policies. Question number two is: all authority should be questioned. Uh, I think this is the most important question for someone like me or someone like Joel, where I think that the. the something that should be at the basis of of humanity in general is questioning authority i am not here to make peace with the establishment but but to make it something that i i stand behind right and i think authority is something that can be so corrosive and uh, deluding that on authority uh, generally sometimes serves to enrich itself and not enrich the people of the country and serve in the best interest of the country as a whole. So I think authority is something that should be monitored very uh, carefully to avoid kind of an authoritarian uh, militaristic regime. I also think that the social libertarian anarchist thought that we carry is something that, 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 that is democracy but done right. I think that the, the, the policies that we are behind enrich uh, society far more than uh, authoritative figures. As someone who believes in equality among all people, even the authority also, I think that it's, it's, it's right to question authority just as it is to question uh, a peer. Uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I disagree. Um, in that, of course, this is also a religious principle, I guess. It's in a religious te- text. Um, I mean, I disagree rather than strongly disagree because in some cases, I guess our basic psychological intuition encourages us to, to act upon this mentality. But for the most part, fundamentally and philosophically as someone, once again, as a pacifist, I think that, that this is, is a statement that is disagreeable with. Um, right. I think it was Gandhi who said, uh, an eye for an eye and the world goes blind. And I think 
if you continue to act in these uh, <clears throat> reckless manners and um, kind of disregard humanity, that's where you begin to devolve as a society into uh, kind of the 1500s more uh, barbaric uh, society uh, that we saw. A society that's revengeful in the most part. Right, a vindictive society that isn't willing to forgive. Absolutely. Uh, taxpayers should not be expected to prop up any theatres or museums that cannot survive on a commercial basis. I mean, I, what it means by survive on a commercial basis is difficult. If it means make uh, massive monetary gains, then I completely disagree. Uh, I think the taxpayers' money is, should be used as, as just a source of income for the, the brighter things in life, the, the things that, that bring joy. I, I don't think everything is about economic, economic uh, building and a, a strong economy. I think that this sort of pleasurable thing is something that should be at the center of, of our attention in terms of uh, how we live our lives. As I said in the previous episode, uh, I think there are some things the free market should be left to dictate. And I think uh, commercial and manufacturing uh, industries are one of those things that government interference is still necessary, but not to the extent where it controls the industry. I think the government could, uh, should control industry that has a direct effect on people's lives that people cannot live without. But if um, if these theatres or museums cannot survive on a commercial basis, then I don't believe we should be wasting taxpayer money on uh, this sort of stuff when you could prioritise healthcare or infrastructure, more important things than I just mean, that. I mean, I agree with that, but then there are, I think that something like a museum or a theatre is also important. Um, of course, we should primarily target funding for something like the NHS, especially at the time that we're in now with a big virus outbreak. But I mean, for the most part, I think it's also quite important. Uh, schools should not make classroom attendance compulsory. I mean, I have no idea where I stand on this question. I think I would say um, disagree, maybe. Or bo I, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't really understand. Of course... I disagree with this large authority that the sort of forceful in, in, in how it applies its regulations and rules. But then again, I think that, that, that education is very important. If education was better, I would, I would completely, I, I would say that I think classroom attendance should be compulsory or it almost is, if it's, it should be wanted at that point. Um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm unsure as to where you stand, Joel. So I guess this depends on what you replace classroom attendance with. If it's lectures that are online and people engage with the lectures, then I guess attending classrooms isn't as much of a necessity as it would be if there was no alternative to classrooms. But I think that education is something that should be prioritized. And as you mentioned, Jack, if education is improved, people would be more inclined to continue with their education. And uh, as a society, we should really emphasize the importance of education but also not put a price on education itself. I think enforcing these rules that like you, it's not that you should come, you should, you should, you need to come to your classroom. Maybe just make it so people want to come, and that doesn't really matter. Uh, all people have their rights, but it is better for all of us that different sorts of people should keep to their own kind. I mean, this is just a bigoted and, and, and primarily racist idea. I think I, I want well, to strongly disagree with this. Keeping to your own kind is absolutely ridiculous. I think that anybody can integrate into any society. It just depends on the person themselves and not a nationality either or ethnicity that they belong to. Yeah, I, I believe that as a society, we're stronger when different cultures are integrated into each other. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, good parents sometimes have to spank their children. I strongly disagree. I mean, it, it's physical violence. It, 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 that is exactly what it is. It is abuse. If someone does something wrong, maybe you shouldn't hit them. Once again, this comes back to the eye for eye, and I think, I guess. Um, I don't think there's any situation in which physically abusing your child is necessary. Right. I think if you want to tell them, uh, if you want to teach them not to do something, I don't think the solution is to physically assault them. I think that the solution is to tell them what they did wrong and what they can do next time instead of abusing them. Mm -hmm. uh, it is natural for children to keep some, secret, uh, some secrets from their parents. I strongly agree with this. Um, I mean, you could bring this down to so many things. I mean, some children feel quite uncomfortable with a lot of things especially with something like sexuality. I mean, it's a very big secret that a child keeps often for a long time. I think that it is incredibly natural for anybody to keep secrets from anyone because there are some parts of personal life that are disassociated with even your parents. Yeah, I think that some people want to keep what they believe or feel to themselves and that's completely their decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to change this question on the fly. The question is possessing marijuana for personal use should not be a criminal offence. I want to uh, expand this to the scope of all drugs. I think I, well, yeah, I think that drug use is, I mean, I, I'm, I am for legalization of, of most drugs. Of course, addictive substances are attained even if they are illegal and often far less pure and far less um, you know, medically accepted. I think that if drugs are legalized, those with the inclination to take these addictive substances are they would have got them anyway, and from someone who is much far, far less trustworthy. Right, that, that's what it comes down to in the end, is that people who want drugs are going to find a way to obtain drugs, no matter if they're legal or illegal, which is why I think all drugs, or at least most of them, should be legalized. Because as Jack mentions, many of the dealers right now, and I haven't got experience in this, but I imagine that um, they are being used, uh, they're being made in cost-cutting ways, inefficient, uh, sorry, ways to uh, maximize cost efficiency, but in doing so, reducing the quality, purity, and safety of the product. So I think if we can regulate and tax drugs, we can not have, not just have people who use drugs more safely. I think if you legalize drugs, it takes away some of the mystique and um, appeal of them that some people just think that they're taking drugs because it's the cool anti-law thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the prime function of schooling should be to equip the future, to find, uh, future generation to find jobs. I mean, I strongly disagree. I think it's important, but it shouldn't just be the prime function. I think school builds an individual. It's very important in building a person that is apt for society in general and not just for the working world. I think school should prioritize um, building creativity in people, building these sort of um, major thoughts about existence and all of this stuff. Of course, these fundamental principles that come with something like philosophy, I think they're also very important. Yeah, I don't think we should be molded into cogs for the system, the capitalist system, from since we start school. I think what we should do is to gain the greatest and most uh, well-researched uh, appreciation for the world as possible not just how to work, uh, where to work, how to apply for work. I think that we should encourage uh, our kids to learn as much about the world as possible, whether that be about political systems, whether that be about philosophy, or even uh, scientific aspects of the world. I don't think that kids should be uh, bullied and kind of conformed into the mold of 
a cog that works in the system. Uh, people with serious inheritable disabilities should not be allowed to reproduce. Uh, I, I disagree with this, of course. Um, I mean, it, it is obviously the, one of the most difficult questions someone can answer. But I, I feel like reproduction is something that is it's a choice, of course. And I, I think there are ways of dealing with medical issues. Um, but but I, I, I think I'm going to change my answer. I actually agree with this statement in that I'm an antinatalist. Fundamentally, I think that suffering outweighs pleasure in one's life, even if the argument is if someone is to live this glorious life of a ridiculous amount of joy every single day and then stub their toe, then it wasn't worth living that life. And maybe that is a, a, a hard and, and more uh, extreme view, but I think fundamentally it is, it's actually quite valuable, valid. So this is essentially eugenics, and eugenics is something that's been uh, imposed by authoritarian leaderships. And I think that uh, it should not be legislated. I think people with inheritable disabilities should reproduce if they feel like they want to reproduce. I don't think that we should stop them from reproducing. But I also want to say that my, my, uh, my agreeal with the proposal isn't exactly with the fact that this person has a serious inheritable dis disability, but with the fact that I, I disagree with um, um, reproduction in general. Uh, the most important thing for children is to learn to accept discipline. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I think this is a quick answer. Most of our recent answers actually kind of answer this question themselves. I, I completely disagree. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, there are no savage and civilized peoples. There are only different cultures. I mean, this is ridiculous. It is completely personal. It is not down to culture, again. I mean... Well, okay, so if we're coming down to sort of, let, let's talk about uh, somewhere um, subcontinental of, of India, we, we kind of have that Islamic tradition, and I guess this is quite a malicious tradition in that it promotes these views that I strongly disagree with as someone who is anti-theist. So I guess for the most part, uh, I, I disagree with this. But, but it does also come down sometimes to culture or certain things and beliefs that are attached to those cultures. I think in some cultures there are aspects of um, savageness and savagery that uh, stems not necessarily from the culture, but from how the, uh, the culture has developed. Uh, those who are able to work and refuse the opportunity to do so should not expect society's support. I mean, I think I agree, but there can be difficulties with finding a job that you actually want. But for the most part, I think if you are able to work, you should. And, and, and you should be doing that, if not for you, for everyone else in society who could do with, I guess, the money that, that you provide in, on, on a taxing level. So this question doesn't specify how long they will be out of work for. I think if there's someone who is, let's say they're depressed or going through addiction, I think that uh, the government should be there to... Uh, uh, service a safety net for them whilst they get back on their feet, but for people to not work long term, to refuse to work long term, is something that I disagree with. But I guess with. the question is, are these people with addictions actually able to work, as the question says? Yeah. Uh, when you're troubled, it is better not to think about it, but to keep busy with more cheerful things. I mean, I mean, it depends on what level we're talking. If you're discontent in general, I think targeting this with something like therapy is quite useful and but, but I mean, if you are discontent with a certain thing or worried about a certain thing, I think you can kind of get over that. Whether, whether I recommend that or not is, 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 quite, is, is up for debate. But I, I'm really unsure as to where I stand.
I think this also depends on if the thing troubling you can be uh, rectified or changed. Because if there's something that's troubling you, I think you should prioritize that if you're able to take action. If you're unable to take action, I think that you should look to be more optimistic. And as an optimist myself, I prefer to uh, focus on things that don't depress me. Successful corporations is uh, always ultimately good for this all of us. This is completely ridiculous. What is good for the for the, these big corporations is usually something that makes a lot of money. I disagree. I think that what is best for the corporations is often the worst thing for us. I mean, how we are exploited in ridiculous ways uh, and, and misled by corporations. Uh, you cannot justify this answer. I agree. I actually think that what's best for corporations is worse for society as a whole. Uh, no broadcasting institution, however independent its content, should receive proper funding. I mean, I am, I'm completely unsure. I, by broadcasting institution, if we're talking about news, I think that it could be funded by society as long as the news is accurate. I mean, I would never want to fund The Sun or The Daily Mail or the BBC because, for the most part, they're kind of ridiculously off. Well, I think if it's completely independent, objective and good reporting, then that can necessitate public funding. Uh, our civil liberties are being excessively curbed in the name of counterterrorism. I agree. And w whether they're necessary or not, the question isn't that. I think our civil liberties are curbed. I mean, if you've read 1984 by George Orwell, uh, this whole Big Brother ideology has kind of come into reality at this point. There are cameras on every street corner. I, I mean, of course, but whether it's important or not, it is, I think we should tackle the terrorism more than just tackling the, the security aspect. Right, I don't think that the solution to terrorism is to spy on the public, I think is to fight, or not necessarily to fight the terrorism, but to defend yourself in ways that don't uh, encumber the safety and uh, freedom of your society as a whole. Uh, the death penalty should be an option for the most serious crimes. I strongly disagree. I think that the amount of um, in how incorrect and um, falsely accused how many people are falsely accused by a system that encourages a death penalty? I also think the prisons about rehabilitation are not literally killing someone off for what they've done. But uh, I mean, of course, serious punishment, I guess, is is necessary. But I think a death penalty is is ridiculous and just a way of um a way of cutting down on the amount of people in prison. It's barbaric and anachronistic, and above all, it is not effective. It's not an effective deterrent at all. It doesn't. There's no evidence that supports. The death penalty reduces the amount of crimes being committed and also is more expensive than it would be to uh, house a criminal in prison for the rest of their lives. Um, in a civilized society, one must always have people above to be obeyed and people below to be commanded. I mean, coming off the back of that question, you, you mentioned an anachronistic views and this is that, that, that sort of thing. I mean, there is no need to be to obey someone. It comes down to this fundamental monarchical level that I, I often vocally disagree with. I think that there is no need to be to obey someone and there is there is no need to have someone to 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 be obeyed. Right, I agree. Um, I think that it could be it could lead to oppression from uh highest like higher society uh say a higher aspect of society like the monarchy aspects like that. Um the business person and the manufacturer are more important than the writer and the artist. As someone who reads a lot, I think this is wrong. Books have made far more impact on my life than any other business has, than any other manufacturer has, I guess. Maybe that's coming down to my 
my sort of internalized view, but I, I think that an artist is, is very important. Right, I think that uh, one couldn't survive without the other, therefore making them equally as valuable to each other. Uh, you cannot be moral without being religious. <laughs> I mean, absolutely not. I mean, if you slightly disagree with religion, you kind of come to the point where you think, well, this is, this is ridiculous. I am, I am moral in that I understand what is right and wrong. What constitutes us actually, actually understanding what is right and wrong is, is up for debate. But I think that we kind of just do know. Right, if you need a 2,000-year-old book and a man in the sky to watch over you constantly to ensure that you're being a bad per- uh, if, if you're being a good person, then I think that your morals are in the wrong place in the first place. Charity is better than social security <clears throat> as a means of helping the genuinely disadvantaged. This is a very difficult question. I think that charity works, um, and I, I guess social security also does work. Um, but... Uh, in general, I think they both uh, work together in a way. I mean, I, I don't know how I would answer this question. I guess I would, I would say uh, agree uh, that charity does help the, the disadvantaged only if used correctly and, and if the money isn't pocketed by these large organisations and people are not exploited as we've seen before with people uh, like Oxfam who were exploiting women in, in what they were doing. It, I think it's, uh, if it's done right, I think charity is, of course, a very, very useful thing. But to claim that charity is better than social security, I think is a ridiculous statement because <coughs> charity is voluntary. Uh, social security is something that is implemented by the government and that's something that some people tend to dislike. They don't think the government is, solu- is the solution to things. But for those who are genuinely disadvantaged, I think that social security can provide something that charity can't, especially when you mentioned that charity is sometimes corrupt. Uh, and doesn't serve what it says it serves, then that's something that should be addressed, especially when you've got the voluntary aspect of charity that not everyone, um, not especially not the richer people, are contributing towards uh, helping the genuinely disadvantaged. Uh, some people are naturally unlucky. I mean, I completely disagree with this. Uh, I don't think luck is a thing. I mean, it's a cause and effect, I guess I agree with. Of course, some people are genuinely disadvantaged, but that doesn't come down to luck. I mean, it's almost offensive to blame it on this sort of spiritual idea of luck. I, I think, of course, a lot of traditions are, are fundamentally based upon luck. A lot of religions believe in luck, but I, which is why I think it's almost offensive to say, oh, well, you're just lucky or you're just unlucky. I, I think it comes down to the individual once again. Right, I think luck is something that's certainly oversold, but... If someone is born into poverty, into a third world country, into a country that's ridden with war, I don't perceive that to be particularly lucky, especially those who are born with disabilities or born with disease or have, um, have strings of diseases or injuries. I think those people are unlucky because there's nothing they can do to avoid the bad situation that they're in. It is important that my child's school instills my religious values. I mean, this is just fundamentally theocratic, something I completely disagree with. As someone secular, especially, I think a state-provided education is something that definitely shouldn't be interfered with by the church. Uh, I personally completely believe that religious values are unnecessary and that, well, yeah, I just completely disagree with this statement on every single level. We could do a whole podcast on the development of Britain in terms of, in terms of theocratic principles, especially in schools. Right, I think theocracy is something that should be avoided at all costs, and especially when you're potentially shaping the, uh, the minds of the young people 
I don't think they should look to impose that type of beliefs upon them. I mean, if you come to a psychological level, children are especially of the most malleable brains, and they, they kind of pick up on all of these things. You're almost building a, a Christian society, and what that is that is the purpose of a theocracy. It is the most anachronistic and ridiculous thing someone can do. A same-sex couple in a stable, loving relationship should not be excluded from the possibility of child adoption. I strongly disagree. I am an ally of the LGBT community. I think that it is ridiculously important that these once again anachronistic principles are kind of thrown to the wolves in a way. I think it is a very traditional view. It is one that should have been resolved by the legalization of, of same-sex marriage. And I think, of course, you could argue that it's difficult for a child being brought up uh, by a same-sex couple in terms of bullying in that child's life. But once again, that isn't a fault of the same-sex couple. That is a fault of society in general. And if we work in this progressive way, in this utopian way, um, we, we, we will get to a point where that is completely normal. I also have a quote, and I can't remember who's by, but it is basically, if you're not a utopianist, you're a schmuck. And I think that completely applies in this in this case. Right, so I think that in this case, uh, if the same-sex couple is in a stable and loving relationship, when they, sh they should absolutely be uh, allowed to adopt uh, children, more so than um, opposite-sex, heterosexual couples, in a relationship that isn't as stable and as, as loving as uh, this particular one here. Because I think that uh, the fundamentals of raising a child it doesn't come down to the uh, sexual orientation or gender of the parents. I think it comes down to how the parents uh, address the, the kids. Um, what goes on in a private bedroom between consent and adults is no business of the state. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what has it got to do with the government? At any point, what has it got to do? I mean, this is ridiculous. Honestly, uh, you know, whatever relationship you're in, whatever you're doing, it shouldn't be a business of anybody but you. And, and I think it's really important to understand that. Um, yeah, but that's about it. Yeah, I think our personal lives shouldn't be any business of the state, never mind the most personal aspect of our lives. Uh, no one can feel naturally homosexual. I mean, this is just ridiculous. I mean, how do you think it happens? I mean. We can come down to this whole argument that I would make, um, some people may find it offensive, but I think that no one would choose to be homosexual in a society that, that views that as, 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 a prob as a problematic uh, aspect of someone's life. I mean, if you can watch, you can grow up in a society, especially a working class one, and people are bullied for being homosexual, uh, and these terms are thrown around, and, and you would never choose personally, or you would never be developed, you would never develop in a way that would make you homosexual. You are born homosexual, and people need to find a way to deal with it. Right, this implicates that homosexuality is somehow manufactured. But it's, it's clearly not, because a large portion of the world um, identify as homosexuals. And, of course, they can feel naturally homosexual, because as Jack mentioned, if they could change it, I'm not sure if they would, that obviously depends on the person themselves, but to manufacture it, it, to manufacture it is to subject yourself to endless bullying. Uh, final question. These, these days, openness about sex has gone too far. I mean, I think I disagree. I think openness about sex is actually a fantastic thing for society. And I, I mean, in, in general, I think openness about sex has actually brought along a lot of fantastic things like, like, like social education in schools and instilling these, these, 
these fundamental things about life, I mean, about sex, about protection, and about how to be safe. Um, and it is one of life's pleasures that is, that is kind of, and it's also made to reproduce, and we're all here because of it. And I think we should be more open about sex, if anything, and kind of show that everything's okay and, and natural. I agree with you. I don't think openness about sex can go too far. I don't think it will go too far unless repression is, uh, sexual repression is completely eradicated. People feel comfortable in their own skin. And in the case of sexual orientation, the death penalty for homosexuality worldwide is abolished. Because that is the other thing. People don't understand. I did a presentation on this for our school's Pride Day, and it's, it's been like 11 countries that you're still killed for being a gay man, not a gay woman. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. For the quote at the end of the episode, we're actually going to do two. So one I would like to just see your views on before I, I comment on it, Joel. Uh, and that is by Alan Moore in V for Vendetta, one of the most fantastic uh, books on anarchism. And it says, Authority, when first detecting chaos at its heels, will entertain the vilest schemes to save its orderly facade. Right, yeah, I agree with this. Uh, oligarchies uh, specifically serve to improve the lives of just themselves and will go to occasionally and often violent means to protect its integrity. Authority, as I said earlier, is definitely uh, corrosive. It can result in tyranny, which is why the Second Amendment was, uh, Second Amendment was drawn up in the first place. I mean, I mean yeah, I, I think the, this thing about authority, just trying to remain in control, is something that's been about for, well, forever, I think. Um, since authorities have existed. Since, since authority was first a thing, I think authority will do absolutely anything to remain in power. And it will, it will entertain the, the most vile and disgusting schemes. That is just, that is just what it is. Um, so we're going to actually get a second quote too. So we now move on to a Noam uh, no Chomsky quote, which is one of my favourite quotes of all time, by one of my favourite people of all time. And that is, uh, it, it is, that is what I have always understood to be the essence of anarchism, the conviction that, that the burden of proof has to be placed on authority and that it should be dismantled if that burden cannot be met. I mean, and this comes back down to that uh, sort of, uh, we're, we're kind of made malleable by authority and we're kind of brought into these situations where we are lied to and we are, we are manipulated. Um, and yeah, I think we need to place that same burden of proof and that burden of truth more than anything on, 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 a, on, a, on an authority and they need to be able to prove that they can do what they are saying. Once again, this comes down to the basics of, 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 of politics, especially of a democratic system in which we are meant to be voting on people and these people can lie to us and we must make sure that doesn't happen. All right, as someone who agrees with Noam Chomsky on many things, this thing is no different. Uh, authority is, as we've mentioned throughout the entire podcast, is something that can devolve into uh, authoritarianism, violence, and something that serves to protect only itself. And I think if authority doesn't serve in the best interests of people, then it should be dismantled, uh, dismantled uh, especially if it's serving to the detriment of its people. Uh, I think, okay, so first of all, I would like to say thank you for listening. Of course, follow me on Twitter. That will be 
that will be in, in the description of this. But I would also just like to end with a quote that maybe has nothing to do with this, but it's also by Noam Chomsky, and that is, the Bible is probably the most genocidal book in the literary canon.